Aalto University Podcast. So I remember saying to my colleagues that, you know, 20 years from now, we know whether we made the right decision and it does affect the entire field in Finland because we are the kind of a master's program in water and environmental engineering here in entire Finland. And whatever kind of restructuring we do, it has a major impact to the field. And we, if we get it ro- right, it's really important. But of course, if you get it wrong, then <laughs> then we are in trouble. And then kind of thinking back that, you know, we made some wrong decisions, that would be hard as well. Hi, I'm Rika Evans, and this is Future-Led Learning Podcast. Future-Led Learning by Aalto University. The Allwell Questionnaire studies the well-being of our students on a yearly basis. The results of the questionnaire help us to identify many things, among them good practices in teaching. One of the programs that has achieved very well is run by Marko Keskinen, associate professor at the Department of Built Environment in the School of Engineering. Marko is also the director of the master's program in water and environmental engineering and a successful and very well-liked teacher. This episode was actually recorded as the pilot for this series. The interview was done by our producer, Sakari Heiskanen, And as it is very interesting, we decided to publish it. So welcome and enjoy. Future-led learning. You're a professor, but you're also a leader of the organization, the leader of education in in a master's program in water and environmental engineering. Since when, by the way? When did you start? Well, as an associate professor, I actually started in 2020. I returned to Aalto University to start in this associate professorship. Before that, I was also university lecturer here earlier. So I started in the university lecturer position already back in 2013. And then one of my first tasks, actually, I was coordinating the preparation for this new master's program. And it then started in 2016. And ever since I've been either coordinator or then past two years now, the director of the program. If you look back to 2015, when you were starting, what kind of a background did you receive and what kind of grounds did you have for your work? The decision to to start new master's program obviously was kind of coming outside. You know, all the university leadership decided we will establish new master's program that will be English language and that will in many situations be quite new. And at the universities, it's sometimes difficult to start some something really kind of transformation if it, if it comes from the top, if it's somehow... <laughs> initiated not by yourself but, but but by someone else but so so then there was i know that there were a lot of a lot of people who didn't necessarily see the need for it because we did have uh, quite well functioning masters programs already earlier then i think the main point then was really that we made the decision the cautious decision that okay now we take a chance here that we really want to rethink our entire program from the scratch we don't want to do it kind of superficially new but we really want to do it like properly new and take take the chance that we have ordered and make the use of the task we have been given really to rethink our our education how long time did you have for that rethinking uh well we were lucky we had basically three years actually because the, the there had been the renewal of our bachelor program before that and that was done in within a year and everybody understood that that was kind of 
far too quick and it was more stressful. And so now we had more time and that was that was one of the important issues here, actually, that you have enough time because then you are able to engage your own team here at the university, but you are also actually able to engage your stakeholders also in the discussions on, on what the education would be. How did you make people believe in the stuff? Well, the entire process I tried to make as participative as possible. And of course, I mean, everybody was very committed from the beginning. We People really understood the task. But, but we had workshops where everybody was kind of raising their concerns and views and ideas. And then we had some structured discussion and really taking our time at the beginning, really talking about the fundamentals. You know, what is it? What are the competencies? What kind of graduates we should have? In a way, it's nice that you are able to make a ma- major change. But of course, somehow it always, there is always a risk in that change because if you get it wrong, then then it's kind of, it would be easier just to continue as things are often because then then you don't at least get blame. But if you if you change something like we did, change quite a bit. So there is always a risk you get it wrong. So So I remember saying to my colleagues that, you know, 20 years from now, we know <laughs> whether we made the right decision And it does affect the entire field in Finland because we are the kind of uh, master's program in water and environmental engineering here in entire Finland. And whatever kind of restructuring we do, it has a major impact to the field. And we, if we get it ro- right, it's really important. But of course, if you get it wrong, then <laughs> then we are in trouble. And then kind of thinking back that we made some wrong decisions, that would be hard as well. So I think, you know, balancing of the kind of the freedom of and the flexibility of of for people to think new, but at the same time the, to give a bit of that pressure that it is important that we also get it right. Future-led learning. One thing about management and leadership is about the pressures that come from inside. That, how did it feel for yourself when you, when you had these pressures? Well, I I enjoy pressure. You know, I I see it as an opportunity, really, and I I I feel that I'm quite uh, strong in terms of strategic thinking. That's my strength. So I enjoy that kind of situations where I can really think big. I mean, it wasn't always easy, and still, of course, sometimes we are feeling that did we de- do this or that right. But generally, I feel that we have succeeded quite well. Yeah. And now it's five years, four years. Mm. Did you make any mistakes that you regret? Um, Not major ones, but uh, perhaps trying to do two big changes at once. You know, after the first year, I must say that <laughs> when we had our teaching team meeting, we were just watching each other like, okay, this was pretty hard year, <laughs> but we made it. So so in the hindsight, of course, we could have somehow made it easier. But on the other hand, when you make such a big change, you just have to make it. Then, of course, there has been fine tuning in terms of actual actual course contents and also the course structures. And and now I now I feel that, you know, the first batch that ran the master's program. So poor people, I mean, they, they did manage well and they were wonderful students, but I mean, there was so much kind of uncertainty and, and kind of still issues not in f- fully in place. How do you think that uh, Alta University has changed during these four years, especially in regard to the program developing? sphere yeah well i think overall the of course the education goes hand in hand with the general spirit of the university and that has definitely improved i mean the fact that we are now everybody in this same campus 
is a major thing and it's really, really important. And of course, it is the students that first understand and initiate the change because they, it's not always easy for old, <laughs> old personnel to be here and see how it was before. But especially the new students, of course, they come to the new university and new master's programs. They don't know what it was like before. So they are actually driving the change also. And uh, I, I very much like the Alta spirit. And I, I think what has happened increasingly here is, is the increased co uh, feeling of coherence between the, the, the six schools we have. And especially kind of more collaboration between the arts and this and, and then the kind of engineering schools for kind of technically oriented schools. So that's, and that's definitely something that Alta should have and, and should strengthen further. In terms of program leadership, I think there is also much more coherence now. And of course, it was a major change uh, to drive this uh, new master's program in. So everybody was quite busy in that. And now we have had more time to reflect, kind of look back how we did, how are the programs functioning, learn from each other, exchange expertise on that. And we are in a nice phase, I would say, in terms of program leadership also. Future-led learning. The All Well study, which studies the well-being of Alta students, uh, portrays your program as one of the best performers in 2020. What is the role of student well-being in your work? It is super important because our students are really ambitious. They are really passionate about what they do. They want to learn. Of course, learning always is a bit painful. And it requires requires kind of learning new things. So, so it is it is a cognitively challenging process. But I would say that at least as much of that pressure comes internally from the students themselves because they are so ambitious. And and then kind of somehow balancing off that 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 we are providing them the means for learning, but at the same time reminding not to overdo it. Because, because then obviously it's not it's of no one's benefit. Reminding them of not overdoing it, is that a tradition or is that something that you implemented here? I think we are learning it. Uh, we, I, I still, we are, I don't think we still are perfect in that, not in our program and not definitely not in the university either. But I think it's increasingly understood as something that we, it's kind of the way of working really and way of thinking about it. We have, for example, this concept of level of enoughness or level of enough that, that we discussed that students and likewise actually us as researchers, we, we need to realize when it is, when we have reached the level of enough because you can always fine tune and you can develop things further. But sometimes it is required that you stop somewhere and, and, and accept that that's now the level you reached. They've been learning all the way from school mm. that they have to achieve. Mm. And now you're saying that you, there's enough, you don't have to achieve anymore, which yeah. is kind of contradictory, isn't it? Yeah, maybe it is. And, but the entire thing in, the, in this program, what we want to emphasize, and we have this personal learning portfolio process and related mentoring process for that for students, is to, is to make them realize, because easily how we, how we are guided with our learning is that we just do the assignments that we are given. And then we kind of somehow trust that, okay, now I learn the things that the teacher thinks we I should learn, and then I'm kind of, and then I'm happy. However, we try to remind the students that they are, you know, they are individuals with their own aspirations and whatever existing expertise and skills they might have. And then there is something that we can add to that kind of expertise through our master's program, and and we try to make them reflect that what we provide in 
in a course A. For for one student, it is one thing that he or she is after from that course, and another student is after for something else. And we try to emphasize that that they would kind of actively think about that. That what is it? What, what kind of competence they want to build, and what kind of experts they want to be in our field. And we put quite much emphasis on that. So there's an element of self-assessment. Yes, very much. And you know, you ask any of my student what is my favorite word, and that would be reflection, because I, I really think that it is important that we don't just do, and you know, especially in terms of learning. That you don't just kind of do the assignments and all that, but once you've completed something, you actually you sit back, think a, a while. How did it go? You know, what did I actually learn and why? And you know, what I didn't learn necessarily that I wanted to learn and so forth. And how I did generally. And the reflection goes both for the individual students, but we also emphasize it very much in terms of the group work because we large part of our all our teaching includes some elements of of pair work or group work and there also I think it is important not just to get the thing done you know you have the deadline and you finish the finish the job and most likely you are a bit you know angry and anxious about the whole thing and then you just leave and do the next thing we try to encourage our students always after that also to adjourn the group work so that they actually think and look back and and think how how they did individually and also give feedback to to the other students in the group mutual feedback the point mm. the the peer to peer we make a careful and and kind of well structured way way to do that depending a lot of from the course but for example our common course that is running in the first period one third of the entire course grade comes actually from self and peer evaluation so the idea is that is to give the responsibility for students themselves to to assess how they did to give a grade for themselves and then also give grade for their peers in the group and they give the grade and they also give a short kind of explanation for that grade and uh, and the idea is that in a way some of the students might find it somehow confusing that you know I would always grade myself five of course and of my students but I did I've done it in my bachelor courses and master's courses and at the beginning because some of my colleagues were also a bit doubtful about it so I did I did do some statistics about it so it was very often that the students 80% of students gave themselves you know lower grade than than the average grade from their peers which i think is in a way f- nice and fine that they are quite self critical also in their reflection when they are th- thinking in terms of learning and that's anonymous of course when you give the grading and and give the written feedback so every students get the written feedback from from themselves and and from their peers and can read them and and get the average grade but those are anonymous so then i feel that that has to be coupled with the kind of face to face feedback as well and for that there is this i like i wish uh, kind of facilitated uh, group feedback mechanism developed by satu rekonen from design factory here at aalto that we have been use, using several years and it it works like a charm for that so it's a kind of structured way to discuss uh, among the group you know so what do you like about the person and also about your group and also the things you wish a person would different so kind of a constructive feedback on on things to improve for the for the individuals and also for the group we use it in a self facilitated mode so we, there is no facilitation there but the group groups makes it themselves only and i think that is important because then they get more personal in that process and it is you know after especially during this common course where we use it 
So there has been not one time that the students come with the tears in their eyes, but smiling from, from, from that exercise, because it is hard to actually hear face to face that you have worked very well. But on the other hand, you hear from your peers things that you, they wish you would do differently. And, uh, and we try to prepare the students for that also to, by saying that, you know, it's really, really important that you are honest, but constructive, but also that you are open to that kind of <laughs> feedback you get so that you don't immediately start to kind of defend yourself, but see, you know, what is the ways for learning? Because very rarely in the actual working life, then you hear anything like that. You always hear it behind your back, perhaps, but never face to face. And we try to then show that, you know, this is, this is the, this is the thing, you know, this is, we are learning here and now we are learning about giving feedback to your group mates and also receiving feedback and learning from that. So that's important. Maybe they will change the way we work. Yes. Well, that's one of the biggest hope, <laughs> hopes I have that we are not only educating competent experts for our field to get employed, but really to change our field as way and the ways we work. Future-led learning. Does it happen that people get distressed by the feedback they get? No, no I haven't heard. I mean, it, there are different ways to approach it, let's put it that way. So some take it very lightly and, you know, talking about it. And, you know, but I tried because I do think it is, would be really valuable for all of us. And especially if you are working, for example, seven week really intensively in a group, so they get to know you and see your good sides and bad sides. And related to that, I think it's important that at the very beginning, we are talking about the five typical forms of, of group work, where it's like from, from forming to storming and then norming and performing and adjourning. And, and we say that there are storms in the group work and there are kind of, it's very typical. So don't be afraid of it. Of it. And then we also talk about the team roles, the kind of different roles that the people take in the group. We use this, well, there is a guy called Belbin who has developed these three categories for different team roles. Um, because he's, I believe, American, so he has a very positive approach for team roles. So then I've added these purely, uh, purely harmful roles also, like free riders and these uh, moaners, these vastarannankiiskit type of persons and, and others who don't really want to perform for the group. And, and we openly discussed that we know these kind of people exist. I asked from the students, have you been ever doing group work? Yes. Have you ever seen this kind of person as part of your group? Yes. And, and then we discussed and the group formed the rules for the, their group work. And we specifically asked them to address the storms, where the, which includes the entire group in some form. And then specifically asked them to address how they how they address the negative role that someone takes in the group that is not beneficial for the group. And the idea is to kind of outsource outsource the whole thing so that it doesn't get personal because then if it, if there is a conflict within the group, if we only then start to discuss that this is normal and all that, then it doesn't feel like that. But if you before the conflict arises, you already have said that you will get a storm. There will be negative roles that people take. How do you actually react to that? I think that's kind of preparing them for that is important. How about any other skill sets for the teachers? Is there something else that you would like to uh, add? I th well, rautalanka ja reflektio. That was one of my <laughs> whatever is rautalanka in English. This uh, clear structure and and then reflection. That's something that I, I, I think in terms of teaching, both in, at the program level, 
but also at the course level, even at the, at the lecture level is required. So, so if I trust that, that the students do well when you just give them clear enough structure what they, so that they understand what we expect from them, what they should be doing. But then we give it, after that, we give them freedom to define that process, learning process for themselves. And then again, as I said, reflection is something that I feel that we easily forget. That we just focus on those assignments and, and do that. And then actually, I've even said that by kind of using just 1% or max 5% of your time for reflection, you actually, you know, you enhance your learning by 50% or something, purely non-scientific ratio there. But, but it, it does help a lot. So, so that's something also I, I would recommend. But um, here in our research group, we have just wonderful students, uh, wonderful teachers. I mean, really skillful, really uh, cautious, really wanting to develop themselves and their courses. And I think that's actually one of the most important things. No one will ever be perfect, but I think it's important that we are ourselves also reflecting how our teaching went and how we can develop it further and how we change it to to correspond to the you know whatever new situations there are there's also other people and teachers working with the students and mm. how do you see the role of the alto staff and all the crew and and also maybe doctoral students as as a mm. part of the community that you're working yeah they are a very important part of course i mean we have here we have a flume and we have a laboratory facilities and and we use them in our teaching our and our all the stuff are very important uh, to provide our students student that expertise and students enjoy those kind of practical hands-on hands-on kind of exercises very much. Doctoral students and also postdocs are very actively participating in our teaching, and that is also important because they often then provide a very kind of research-founded view on some particular issue. And and also I think it's important that they are some kind of a role models for the for the students because they are quite close to their own age and, and many of them might be our own alumni from the program and so forth. So they see that, you know, what is what it would be if you take a kind of scientific path from the after the master's program. Um, we're going towards the question about uh, pedagogical development and, and program development, which, which is implemented through leadership and management mm. and the way teachers and the staff works with the students. Um, how do you do it? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> uh, some kind of soft leadership, I guess, is there important. It's like my colleague Olli often says that in, in the university, leadership is about herding the cats. So it's, it's not not hurting, but herding, herding the cats. So, okay. so herding the cats. So trying to make the very individually self-minded cats to go to the same direction. So obviously it doesn't work if you, if you use the stick, if you try to use it kind of top down. So it's, it's about inspiration and trying to make, motivate people to do good things. So, so as a program director, I see that my role is to try to make other roles enjoyable. So that the teachers, our actual teachers, you know, enjoy the courses they give, enjoy the the community we have as a teachers, and and then you know that sometimes requires just having a nice workshop or nice discussion and kind of reminding us about the importance of our things. Sometimes it is it does require practical advice or support for someone who is struggling with this or her course, for example, or something. 
but it, it is really much about the kind of just finding that that kind of inspiration and motivation to, to do good things and and our team does have that but as a leader i think that's that's for the leader is its most important thing and and that that of course now deals with about getting the team to work together because it it never is the leader or the director that really makes the program but, but the teachers future led learning by alta university what kinds of ways do you have of knowing how you're performing uh, all well is one of the questionnaires that we use or Alto uses, but there's there must be many ways of evaluating the success of the program. What yeah. kinds of tools do you have? Yeah, th- this is a nice and important question. I do feel that we have a quite nice examples that other programs also are most free to copy and, and use in, in the ways they feel best. We do have the course feedback, which is the standard feedback that you, every student kind of fill or should fill at least at the end of each course. And it provides important information about the course gen- generally. But of course, we are not interested in just about the courses, but about the entire program. And for this, the, the aforementioned personal learning portfolio is something that helps us. You know, the main point for personal learning portfolios is that the student make them during their studies, building on the existing expertise, building on what they vision their career would be and the kind of tasks they would like to have in their life. Uh, and then they think how those different courses come together to help them to build certain competencies that they want to have. And uh, the main thing there, of course, is that the students to make them make it for themselves. But we do reveal that we use the portfolios also for us as a way to assess what we actually provide to students with. Because obviously, when students are then trying to make their learning portfolio, they are trying to build their competence profile through that. So, so it is interesting to compare and see what kind of competence profile different students have with this different variation of the of the courses they pick. And so that's that's one tip is the is the personal learning portfolio that I do recommend. It's not always easy, and like in many things, there are 20% who hate it, 60% who do it and find it pretty useful, and 20% who love it. So, so there is always this, you know students who, do, who don't really find and uh, who don't really enjoy it and that's that's fine as well but we do require all the students to make it whether it's kind of superficial and shallow or whether it's really well thought and majority of students do make a really good portfolios so that's one thing uh, other thing we've done is that we have this habit of at the end of first year which is the major when, when the students complete the around 60 credits of, of our so-called major so our common and advanced courses. So we do send a, a specific tailor-made program-specific questionnaire for the students that everybody has to answer. About the, you know, many things we ask, whether they work, work during their studies and, you know, you know, what kind of courses they took, but also very much about the competencies, the skills and, and the identity skills or working life skills and the contents that they have learned. Giving feedback on that. And then also, of course, giving feedback on how the program works, what they feel we should keep, the three most important things we will keep, and the three things that they think improve. And and that questionnaire survey is really nice way to collect anonymous feedback on that. And then after that, we couple that with the workshop where where the students come together with the teachers. And we we compile, we synthesize their feedback for them, and 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 then we discuss further and reflect together. You know, how did it go? If if from the feedback there 
there is some issue that obviously needs to be addressed, then we discuss that together so that there are the students in groups and the, our teachers as part of that group, and we discuss further, you know, what we could do. Future-led learning. There are many things why we do it this way. Uh, one is, of course, that the students can voice their concerns directly to, for the teachers, but also to commit the teachers to understand, you know, as a program leader, as a program director, I read the, the feedback carefully, but all our teachers may not necessarily have the, the time for that. But then when they are there talking with the students and they hear from the students themselves about some issues, you know, you know about too strict deadlines or unclear unclear instructions or, you know, overlapping assignments or whatnot. So then I hope that that kind of, again, inspires themselves to initiate the change in their courses. And uh, so that that is important. It takes, it's just a two-hour session. And normally after that, Student Association ACO, we organize this beer and barbecue or at least barbecue outside and, and kind of mingle together after that. And it's kind of end of end of the first year. So it's also important for that. So we kind of want to complete the, the first year in style after that reflective process. And then as a teaching team, we then have in June, based on that, we have a then our own meeting where we decide what are the steps we need to take for the next academic year to, to, to develop the program further. So whether we need to change something or, and now we have run this, is it now fourth, fourth or fifth time we've run it. And then I think it doesn't require much once you get it done and once you get it in place but it's really nice and of course it also allows you to uh, then start to compare between the years and and whether there are differences between the years and obviously now with the remote teaching and the corona situation it will be really interesting to see at the end of this academic year you know how the how the students feel about the how how what they learned and how, how the entire program went it's um uh it's a way of uh, getting to know what what needs to be changed. And do you have any examples for about of changes that you have made that have derived from this questionnaire? Mm. Well, one is related to our common course. We had it originally. We have a bit different structure to many of other master's program. We have normally, typically here at Aldo, we have the 60 credits reserved for the so-called major. And quite often that's split half and half so that we have half, half of the common courses 30 credits and then half these advanced courses. Uh, however, our field is quite quite wide uh, with different kind of opportunities and, and our students also come with, with different backgrounds. So we wanted from the beginning, we wanted to have just 15 credits of common courses, very firm foundation in the first period and then 45 credits of advanced courses. So this has been a kind of major thing what we have developed has been this common course module. And we started it with three different courses. So we had three, five credit courses in the same period. And that was too much. Having separate assignments for all those courses within just seven weeks, it was too much. And that was done in the- For, for the students and the teachers. Yeah, well, especially for the students actually, but also for the, for the teachers. And because the learning happens, it, it's not the separate thing that happens, so obviously students learn as an kind of entity through the process itself. And then we had to separate them into separate assignments and all that. So first year we learned that already we call, we call it three courses. Then we change it to the two courses. So we had the two, one 10 credit course and one five credit course. And even then it felt that it's kind of two separated. And now first time we then based on student feedback and thanks to 
flexibility of the our vice team, we got to organize this 15 credit common course. And that now I think it starts to be in place because it's kind of, you know, it's just one assignment for the entire learning process in those seven weeks. So that has been, and that was definitely something that the students also themselves, when we ask about it, how the how the common co module went. So they won't, also didn't really get why why we need to have separate courses when in reality we are, we are having a common module. Uh, other than that, I think the common feedback that I assume in many programs is that, you know, give uh, more active uh, feedback to the students, give it sooner, you know, uh, have a clearer structure for, for, you know, what you expect from the students, uh, what are the assignments, how much time they are expected to use for that and all that. So that's, that's something that has quite commonly come up. And then that's something that we regularly discuss and try to find ways to improve. Okay. Those are benchmarks for the success of the reflection process. Mm. Um, what, what are the ways that you uh, get to know the degree of learning they have? Mm. Well, I guess yeah, that's, that's a really good, good question. And I think there are many levels in that. So of course, in the student make their assignments, it might be a computational task or something. So it's quite easy to, you know, judge how well they have understood the task, course, or, yeah. task or not, but then kind of deeper understanding and how you how you actually assess that, that so that's of course more tricky for that also we have tried uh, different ways to kind of assess that and then help students also to understand that you, you know my colleague Juha Järvela for example runs a course where, where where they don't really have a lectures at all but they really have these small group meetings only with two or three students at time where they the students have to prepare something they kind of read articles and they have to prepare and then they really critically and 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 kind of honestly and openly discuss about it and and the teacher really tests the student how they actually understand what they have read and how they construct their uh, kind of uh, line of analysis and line of argumentation that is something that the, is not easy but there is definitely something different to normal lectures and exam for example so that's one thing uh, i think the bigger level then is 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 about what the students la learn together from the, all the collection of the courses they have. And I think that we will only know after, after they have graduated and have been working and see all the benefits, which might, which might be a bit different to, to what we expect even then to be. Sometimes it's more impo important to understand the ways we work. For example, the group, group working skills might turn out to be more important than the specific methodological aspects they have learned here. But I hope that the Again, the personal learning portfolio helps a bit, at least in that, especially for students themselves to reflect and document and, and also to visualize their learning uh, as a whole, but also for us to see what they have learned. And uh, then we do carry out alumni surveys for our alumni. So we ask them, you know, how, how they, you know, feel that what, was, what were the most important things that they learned during their studies and what are the things that they actually need at work and whether they correspond or not. And, and then that's also something really, of course, important. Do you have any other kind of messages that you would like to send to your colleagues and working in programs in maybe Alta University or other schools even? Um, well, the first message, I guess, would be that keep up the good work. I think there are a lot of, lot of people working, working and, and doing meaningful work and it's really important work also. So, so. So keep up that. Uh, 
other than that, one message I would have is, of course, that also be open for what others are doing and learn from them. So kind of copy, copy pasting and even stealing the ideas from others is, is important, whether in terms of course implementation, but also program implementation, I think, because we have such wonderful programs. So, so kind of learning from each other is important. Uh, and then also, I think important is to realize that it doesn't necessarily require that much additional effort to get these processes and structures in place that we have discussed. These, these, for example, these, uh, having this annual feedback at the program level and this meeting with the teachers and students and then followed up that with the teachers' team meeting and all that. So obviously it's not a major effort to establish that kind of thing. And it's not even a major effort to implement it after all, once you get it rolling. So, so it's also about that, you know, even though we all are busy as, as, as we are at the university and teaching is only one part of the things we do here at the university. And unfortunately, it's not always even assessed as important, for example, as, as research. But, but we still use our time for that, uh, often busy and all that. But it easily gets to the mode where we just try to things, do things in the survive mode. But it, it, it does, I, I feel that our experience indicates that it, it it, it does make sense to make a bit of additional effort to, to think to think you know how to do things well and especially how to establish this kind of certain procedures that help you to understand how well you are doing and what you, what you should do better and help you to reflect so it doesn't require that much actual additional effort to implement and, and plan that and then once you get it rolling it, it works very well and I'm of course happy to share our experiences also also for others if needed. Thank you, Marco. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Future-Led Learning podcast with music from Siddhartha Courses and the Future-Led Learning theme by Sagertson. All the University Podcasts.